This week on the Rail Splitter podcast, we are doing some trivia. Welcome to the Rail Splitter Podcast, the Abraham Lincoln Podcast. I'm your co-host, Mary, and joining me tonight is Rail Splitter Jeremy. Hey, everybody. And Rail Splitter Nick. What up, Rail Split Nash? Listen to us on your triathlon training session. Do you think you've always been doing That's good. Nick, you always come up with some really interesting greetings. I'm just It's triathlon season, isn't it? I think it is. Was, yeah. I probably should have rethought my, hey, everybody. <laughs> Nick is the creator. Sorry, I'm, I'm standing by it. Yeah. <laughs> well, you guys are back at school now, right? Like, school's back in session. Today was our first day with students. So, uh, it was a really good day. It's one of my favorite days of the year, but uh, a lot of a lot of stress, a lot of um, anxious feelings and all that kind of stuff, but, uh, it's really good. It's kind of, it's always fun when there's the energy at first day of school, kids coming back, all that mm-hmm. stuff. So yeah, it was a good day from, from my seat. Oh, that's good. Yeah. It was all right. It's always weird. Kids just look at you, you look at them. They're tired by then you're tired by then, but yeah, it's up and rolling. So, uh, my classes seem good. So no complaints from me. That's awesome. The kids don't go back here until, uh, after Labor Day weekend, so they still have a bit of time left. Um, but I know, like, it's just, it's always been different. Like, Canada has always been different than um, a lot of the, the the states, right? Like, you know, we Rockford were... is actually because our high school is just north of Rockford. Mm-hmm. So the town we both live in, that school district actually goes back after Labor Day. So oh. it's kind of weird. Yeah. So like, yeah, everybody which, in the area is a little different. Oh, okay. Yeah, which yeah, at first I didn't like because my kids uh, go to Rockford schools, but it's been really nice to get ready for my school year without having to worry about the bus and the pictures at the bus in the first day and the fact that it's two weeks away yet uh, will be nice for me, for my photo yeah. ops with uh, with the kids. Although I'm a little, uh, my heart's breaking a little bit. My youngest is going into kindergarten. Aww. It's just tough watching, tough it's going too fast. It's making me sad. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that from parents. Like, you know, they're posting mm-hmm. their, had one friend, her little girl started kindergarten today. And she's saying, oh, she's feels like she was just it's born tough. and now she's going to kindergarten. It's tough. Yeah. It's tough. It's, it's, a, it's a hard to explain emotion, but it is tough. Yeah. We got stuck behind a bus. It was stopped. And then the mom, you know, it was kind of taking a long time getting the kid on the bus. The bus leaves, and you can see the mom crying, and it must have been like her mom, so grandma, the kid, like hugging. Aww. So, and then, yeah, and then I was like, "About damn time!" Sick of being held up here. <laughs> you're hawking the horn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're getting impatient. You're swearing. Jeez, at making them. it worse for yourself. Get out of here. <laughs> no, it was kind of. Uh, I wish I, I took a picture of it, but. Yeah. Aww. All the kids out there, and, and I <laughs> and find then the this little creepy kid. guy just took <laughs> a picture. Yeah, so he starts weird. like looking at the. <laughs> hey, 
they would have that moment forever then instead they of sure, just they a... really would <laughs> and then then you could get it printed on uh shattered glass or some i don't know i was thinking of the conan o'brien i don't know if you guys have listened to my podcast but he has a sponsor where it's like printer pictures on glass i can only imagine how much money they're paying to get the sponsor on the conan o'brien podcast uh, but it's quite funny. But anyway, Fracture, that's what it is. Fracture, Fracture. if you're listening to us, sponsor the Rail Splitter, uh, just like you do Conan. Um, so our audience is probably comparable, I would imagine. Our audience is growing. We are actually up to, I think, over a thousand followers on our Twitter page. All right. All which right. is awesome. See? That's, I think, where and we like, want it to I, be I, I before tweeted. going to Springfield. Yes, and I'm I'm getting back into this thing. I tweeted one word today. I saw but, that. Uh, this I was like, oh, voice yeah. is back. <laughs> That's right. I tweeted five characters, so I left the other 135 or whatever Twitter is at now. But uh, yeah, I'm back. Uh, I got I got time now. It's this is awesome. Um, I feel like uh, I feel like myself again, which is uh, really really good. So. Awesome. Uh, so yeah, so look for me to be tweeting and Facebooking and everything else. Uh, you know, we all kind of have our hand in the in the rail splitter social media mm-hmm. accounts, um, which I think is super cool. But um, I'm going to get much more active in that, especially as we gear up for our big hundredth episode. So I don't know, Mary, since you're hosting, if you wanted to fill in uh, listeners on that, I know we had some sure. Facebook activity asking about that today. Yep. So, yes, we are going to be in Springfield, Illinois for Labor Day weekend. So um, myself and my husband, Jerry, who is our, what is he usually, chief sound engineer. That's <laughs> a creative title we've come up for him. Uh, he's kind of our general Warren, I guess you could say. And uh, so we will be in Illinois on Friday, September, or sorry, September, August 30th. And then, Nick, you're going to be there, too. Yeah, me and Carol will be there as well, Uh, a little bit later than you, but yes. Yeah. Um, We got our our location we're staying at, the address is, uh, just kidding, just kidding, (laughs) listeners. Um, But yeah, we're good to go. And then I will be joining uh, you all on Saturday morning, Um, so I'll be there all day Saturday and all day Sunday, Um, and depending on what we do on Monday as well. Um, so I'm very much looking forward to that. So we'll definitely, um, I guess be sharing what we're going to do too. And, um, so if anybody can make it to any of the, uh, uh things that we have that, uh, we're doing, we, we'd love to hang out with y'all. And, um, if you're not able to do that, that's fine because we're going to have a lot of content coming out of that trip. So that's going to be very exciting. Yeah. And there is an event we're actually going to be hopefully, um, going to it's being held on Saturday night, so I thought I would tell the rail splitters about it just in case anyone's in the area. But apparently, there's this 104.5 WFMB, which is Springfield's number one for new country. So, hey, if you're a fan of country music, maybe check them out. Um, right now, according to their website, Day Drunk is playing. So, a band called Day Drunk. No, a song called Day Drunk by Morgan Evans. So. That might become the oh, theme. I'm then. not into modern country, I guess. I won't be day drunk, but they might. So. <laughs> I was going to say that might become um, the theme of our trip. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> um, I think I've heard that song. It's not good. So anyway, <laughs> they're doing a party like it's 1860 at the Lincoln Home National Historic Site on uh, Saturday, August 31st from 530 until 730. 
And so it's like a, a block party. And actually, one of my friends, Pam, she is she portrays Mary Lincoln. She's going to be there. She was actually the one that originally told me about it. And we are actually going to be meeting up with her at some point while we are away. Um, so anyway, it's basically evening of music, games, dance, um, dance moves, which I don't know if that means 1860s, carriage rides, and conversations um, for the time the Lincolns lived in the neighborhood. And there's going to be the 33rd Illinois Volunteer Regiment Band playing, as well as park ranger activities. And most importantly, it's free. Yes. And Mr. and Mrs. Lincoln will join the block party and will share their memories from the time they lived in their home on 8th and Jackson Streets. So it sounds like um, a really good time. Obviously, it's weather permitting, so we'll hope for good weather. But I think we are probably going to try and attend that event that night. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's by, we've kind of kicked around some ideas of places to have kind of a meetup, um, maybe even kind of like a um, live or live to tape recording and just kind of record some just kind of more of a freeform type show sometime that evening. And that's uh, the place that we've been talking about doing that is right right there. Um, so if it's in the Lincoln home area, there's, there's kind of like a little walking, there's no cars in that spot. It's a really really good spot um for something like this so um i don't know much about the you know um that radio station or whatever but that area of springfield is really good for that kind of thing so um there's definitely quite a lot there and uh i would uh i think it's gonna be cool to check out just for you know just a couple hours so um and it's definitely definitely by quite a lot of cool sites yep leads to a nice easy transition from your day drinking to night drinking Yes. It sure does. It sure does. <laughs> the pace Which, results. <laughs> if you stay there long enough, can turn into morning drinking. Yeah, sure I don't know if I'm at that age where I can do that anymore. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I ever was. I, I, I don't think, I, don't think I was. Yeah. I don't think I was. I'm 37. It's a lot different than when you're 27. Wait, wait, wait. I think we both owe a belated happy birthday, by the way, Aww. to Rail Splitter Mary. So, so, yeah, sorry about the neglect no. there. <laughs> happy birthday, a couple Thank days you. late. Oh, man, I didn't even realize. My bad. No, happy birthday. Okay. Thank you. Thank My you. birthday gifts in the mail. Awesome. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> and it's actually been two years since... Uh, it was actually two years on my birthday that I officially joined the show, I think. Mm-hmm. Yes, I've been I doing this that. for two years. Clearly. Yep. I think we recorded it maybe a couple days before your birthday, and it dropped on your birthday. Yes, it did. If I remember correctly. Yep. So, good time. So, yeah, hopefully uh, we'll meet up with some folks in Springfield, um, and we'll, you know, uh, it's going to be a kind of a um, two-fold, I guess. I don't know, double-edged. That doesn't make sense. We're accomplishing two things at the same time on yep. our trip, uh, which is going to be recording a lot of content and hopefully meeting some people, and then, of course, obviously doing the sightseeing and checking all that stuff out so um it's going to going to be pretty cool it's very exciting uh very exciting times in rail splitter nation yes and it's my first time in springfield too which i'm really looking forward to it's exciting so it would help though if you're if you're planning on joining us just to let us know so you know to kind of look for you we'll keep an eye out i don't think there's going to be thousands of you so um hopefully we'll have just kind of a, a chill chat um about lincoln springfield 
whatever. Um, and I think it'll be a good time. So. Yes, it will be. Um, so anyway, getting um, into our episode now. So we we always start off with some Lincoln news. So um, there's a couple of news articles. The first one is um, it's a newly discovered Abraham Lincoln gift to wounded troops up for sale. It shows him as healer in chief. So this is a document that was signed by Lincoln along with his cabinet members. So Seward, Chase, Usher, Stanton, Wells, and Blair signed it. And it was auctioned off in March of 1864 at the Metropolitan Fair in New York City. And it was to raise money for sick and wounded soldiers. Um, The document is being valued at $35,000 and it's up for sale by the RAB collection. And one of the spokespersons for the collection said, this document shows President Lincoln's heart, and it's a powerful reminder that as the war was going on, he knew the sacrifice of the Union soldiers and sought to recognize that sacrifice. It's an incredible and uncommon connection between Lincoln and the personal side of war. So in 1864, when the New York Metropolitan Fair was held, it was the largest event in the country since George Washington's inauguration. Um... So I did a little bit of um, I was digging around, you can call it that, and about an hour before the show. And um, I found that a similar document was sold by the RAB collection in 2017. And it's a very similar document to what they're selling now. Um, and it's from 1861. And it was signed by Lincoln, his cabinet members, and Union Army leaders. And it was valued at $150,000. I can't believe the price difference. Um, between the two documents, but I guess because it's got, you know, the signatures of Union Army leaders at the time, um, and it was sold by the Sanitary Commission, which um, during the Civil War they would raise money for soldiers and they would, um, I think, you know, donate things like bandages and just help make conditions a little bit more like as it's called sanitary for them. Um, they received no federal funding, so they were reliant completely on fundraising. Um, so when this document was sold in 2017, the proceeds to it actually went to the Fisher House Foundation, which supports homes for military veterans and their families. So it's nice to see that that document, not only in 1860s, it was going to help soldiers out, but now it's helping soldiers out today as well. No, very cool. I agree with that. Yep. And I think that's a very um, important part of Lincoln's life and kind of who he was, that he did a lot of that work and then of course his visits to the soldier's home uh depicted very well in the movie of course but uh, also um very accurately portrayed in the, in the in the film and certainly something that he did not do for headlines and tried to do pretty discreetly um and kind of also uh maybe part of his self-care i think too um was was doing that and kept him um, grounded and understanding what he was doing i think with his decisions in the war so kind of cool that it's come full circle and um, it's, uh, I like anytime that there's actual, you know, to say you support the troops or whatever is one thing, but to actually, you know, be actively engaged in mm. you know, providing for them and for veterans is something different and much more real. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it didn't say if this most recent item was going to, if the proceeds were going to be donated to, um, like a veterans fundraising organization, or not, but um, still, it's it's interesting that this document has surfaced and mm-hmm. um, that it's being being auctioned off. I, I wish it could go to a museum, and I know we've had that debate before on the show, but yeah. you know, maybe someday it will wind up in a museum. Mm-hmm. Um, so the next article is called "Abraham Lincoln's Hair Preserved in 
priceless Syracuse sculpture, which when I saw that headline, I was like, what is this? So this is part of the Onondaga Historical Association. And um, so just a little bit of a background. Hair sculptures and hair jewelry were very popular during the Civil War, so during Victorian times. The Victorians could be a bit of an odd bunch at times. And uh, so basically what happened, women would like, when they were brushing their hair, they would collect it in these little dishes, and then they would make hair wreaths out of it. And these hair wreaths were often used um, when someone passed away. They were called mourning wreaths. And um, the museum that my husband works for, they have actually a lot of these mourning wreaths in their collection. So when I work there, I got to see them up close. And they're like looking at them from afar, they're like, oh, that's really nice. And then you get up and you read about them like, oh, that's hair on there, which to us seems kind of like, oh, like that's gross. But to the Victorians, it was it was an art form. Um, so anyway, this particular um, sculpture, as it's called, is an eagle in a gold-trimmed case, and it dates back to 1863, and it's made with the hair of President Lincoln and Mary Lincoln, along with members of the cabinet and their wives. And like the document mentioned earlier, it was actually a piece that was put into an auction to raise money for um, one of the sanitary fairs in New York City. And it's described in a newspaper from the time as a curious article that will, will attract the eye. And, uh, yeah, it's so most of the hair strands appear to be dark blonde or brunette. Apparently, um, the eagle's head has Lincoln's hair. Vice President Hamlin's hair makes up the eagle's neck. Seward's hair is on the back and Bates is on the beak. And it can't be displayed at all times, um, by the historical historical society because it is very susceptible to light damage. Um, this is one of the creepier, an odd Lincoln related artifacts I've ever come across. I don't know about you guys, but this one was, I was, I don't really know what to think about it. It's definitely odd. Definitely one of the oddest. I don't understand. You know, I actually had a teacher in high school, my econ teacher. He like some teachers will like collect. I don't know. Like you get thank you notes and teachers hold on to it. Or some teachers pictures. This guy literally collected like clips of hair and it was majority were from girls um and they were just like on this board yeah exactly very <sighs> very very weird that's really creepy yeah so um that that is my hair story <laughs> that this made me think of and it's about probably not as creepy as that but definitely as odd as that when you mentioned um, you had a hair story, I thought I'm like, oh, maybe he had a hair wreath donated, or like, you know, passed down and he's got it somewhere in his house. And I, that was the furthest thing from my mind. <laughs> the teacher that collects uh, hair. That's really gross. Yeah. I don't know if you've kept in touch and he's probably in prison uh, by now, but that's. Uh, I don't think so, actually. He was an gross. old guy. Tennis coach. Scary, scary, scary stuff. Um, every, I think list, this is kind of, every listener I see in Springfield, I'm going to give you a bit of my beard hair. <laughs> that's home. disgusting. Why, dude? We're bringing the Victorian ages back. That's how you party, like it's 1860. Give well, yeah, that's what I was going to say. There's, there's a lot of. I mean, you know, who's to say that? It's, why is it weird? I guess you know. There's a lot of things from Victorian times that are very weird now. Like you know, you, you see those. Um, Online, they have quite a lot of photo albums where they because they would take pictures of their loved one with their loved ones posed after they died. Yes, 
and it's so creepy, but like if it's normal, then, I mean, I'm sure there's stuff we do now, probably mostly on social media that future generations would be like, Oh my, that's so strange. What were they thinking? Um, Yeah. No kidding. I don't know what the equivalent of a hair wreath would be now, but you know, who knows? Yeah. It's, it's just, I, yeah. When I saw that, I was like, that's one of the more bizarre news stories I think we've had on the show is. Mm. Yeah. Eagle. But it's kind of cool. You know, I suppose, suppose if cloning is uh, ever a thing, you know, Abraham Lincoln's DNA is, uh, is somewhere Mm -hmm. cloning him is possible. You know where Lincoln's DNA was not? That top hat at the museum. <laughs> they tried. They tried to figure that out. They sure did. They sure tried. Yeah, where you at now, Cornelius? Well, that, that was a little mean. <laughs> that was a little. That may have been a little over the line. <laughs> all right. All right. I, I don't know what role he played in all that, if he played a role, but, you know, he probably did. <laughs> Although, Dr. Cornelius, we would love to have you on the show now and clear the record. So if you are listening, which I highly doubt you are, uh, because you are definitely a lot smarter than us um, and probably don't waste your time on this. But if you are, we'd love to have you on. Make for a fascinating discussion. Yeah, and we are going down to the museum in a couple weeks. So hopefully we're not burning any bridges down there because we'd love to talk to some folks down there uh, when we're in town uh, and get some things recorded as well. Agreed. So, hey, I'm just saying it, it's been written about. That's pretty well known that we know that there we there's probably no link of DNA on that puppy. So it is that's documented. What the feds told us the feds. Oh yeah, I remember that now. Yeah, that was yes, that was a yes. crazy, crazy story. Um, someday, someday we'll get the someday, Doctor Cornelius. Yes. he's been on the show. Check out that episode. It yeah. was one of our first ones, way back from the first rail splitter trip to Springfield before Mary was a rail yeah. splitter. Yeah. Uh, way back in episode six or seven, probably. Yeah, it was early days. It yeah. sure was, because he was employed there. Um, right. <laughs> yes, this is true. This is true. <laughs> so, all right, are we ready to get get going on this thing? We are ready for some trivia. So, right. uh, Jeremy, why don't you set this up for us about the trivia? Sure. So, so basically, we did a trivia episode, uh, man, a while ago. It's probably been a year and a half or so ago, uh, where Lita George, who's an awesome, awesome guy, um, hosted a trivia for us, uh, where we had uh, Lee um, put it on, and AJ Mass joined us, who's the host of the uh, Beat My Guest podcast. Um, so we did. Let, that was kind of more of a fairly traditional pub quiz type setup uh, where we answer some trivia questions. Today, I'm going to take Rail Splitter Nick and Rail Splitter Mary through slightly different kind of experience um, where um, we'll go through a trivia round that I wrote, uh, and I wrote it for an online trivia league that I am in, and I know that at least one of our listeners is, and perhaps others, it's called Learned League, um, which is much different than kind of traditional trivia questions. It's um, the questions are a little differently worded, I guess. They're not quite as, you know, uh, straightforward, perhaps that I'm looking for. They're usually um, longer in number of words and they're just kind of di- a little bit different than like your bar trivia kind of setup. 
Um, and so anyway, Learned League, if you're interested, you need to get a referral to join it. Um, so uh, you get one referral per season if you're in the league. So I do have a referral remaining if anybody out there wants it, uh, as long as you promise not to forfeit and not to cheat, because uh, it is uh, pretty easy to cheat if you are nefarious. Um, you can do it. Uh, the trivia, of course, ranges all kinds of topics and it is humbling to say the least. It's a very, very difficult, um, high level of difficulty and most people get mo- most of them wrong, but that's fine. Um, so anyway, the way that it's set up is you go head to head against somebody daily for 25 days and that's the league and you either get promoted or relegated, um, kind of like European soccer, um, and then that's basically how it works. But in the off season, between the leagues, they have what the, what's called one day specials, and the one day specials are they call it smithed, uh, smithed by uh, learned league players. By the way, not to get too much of a deep dive into learned league culture, but learned league players are called llamas because of the LL thing. So <laughs> llamas are the smiths of the. One day specials. Anyway, so on August 6th, if you were in Learning League, you had the opportunity to play a one day special smithed by me on Abraham Lincoln. That that was the title. So the way that one day specials work, there are 12 questions. And you answer all 12 questions. And then the players choose five of the questions to money they call it moneying them and if you click that basically you get awarded points based on how many people miss that question so if it's a very very difficult question and like 90 percent of the people playing miss it you get way more points than if 50 percent of them miss it okay um so uh i say that uh, just to kind of set everything up because it is only 12 questions but they're a little bit longer so you're going to kind of have to um, listen fairly carefully as I'm reading the questions, um, mainly because um, the the wording is kind of long and it doesn't really lend itself super well to podcasts, but I think we'll be just fine for uh, these purposes. So I'll read through the 12 questions um, and kind of let you know a little bit about each question and as we go as we're going through them, um, I'll kind of give you a little bit of an explanation as to, um, why I wrote the question, some of my little tricks that I kind of put into it and so on and so forth. So, and we'll also have Mary and Nick play because they're not llamas and they don't know the questions yet. So, um, I will start with one that I did not actually put in the 12 questions. And the reason I did not put it in the 12, I use it as an alternate. Um, when I sent it to the testers, they have like little testers that kind of give you feedback on your questions. Uh, was because a remarkably similar question was asked in a previous one-day special. Uh, the previous one-day special that it was asked in was called Amateurs, was that topic for that one-day special. And those questions were about people who went outside their area of expertise uh, to gain some sort of uh, accomplishment. Uh, so anyway, I'll ask the question. This one was not. This was an alternate question. It did not make it into the twelve. Uh, and then I'll talk a little bit about it and why I did. Well, you know why I didn't put it in. So here we go. Question number, not a number. Uh, Abraham Lincoln is the only president to earn a patent. To what objects, generally speaking, would his invention attach to avoid the problems posed by shoals? 
Raft. So I don't I don't know how we want to do that. So Nick says raft. Um, I I was going to say a boat of some sort, um, just to help them keep buoyant over the shoals. Yes. So the correct answer I put in was boats. Was boats. So rafts would probably be acceptable. Um, that's why I put generally speaking, so it wasn't too specific. Um, so the other question, um, I'll see if I can find it. Um, the other question was like worded very similarly. So I'm like, oh, I can't ask that because somebody kind of took it from me just, you know, literally a few days before. Um, yeah, I think it was in July. So, but anyway, so that one was, that's actually pretty straightforward as far as um, those questions go. If I can find it, yeah, it was under amateurs. Uh, the question was uh, where, you know what I thought the answer was going to be. What's that? Amateur assassins, John Wilkes Booth. <laughs> well, I mean, he wasn't like it wasn't his. Yeah, he was an actor by assassinate by uh, assassination by trade. Although I guess he was successful, so maybe that wouldn't be where. Oh yeah, doing, doing, um, doing. <laughs> actually, this is a good question. Since it's a trivia episode, I'm just going to throw it in. So um, this was that there was actually two answers to the other question. Uh, here's the question from the amateurs. I did not write this one. One future U.S. president designed a device to lift barges over shoals. He applied for a patent during his one term in Congress from his adopted state of Illinois and was granted that patent in 1849. Another future U.S. president, while serving in Congress from his home state of Ohio, had an original proof of the Pythagorean theorem published in the New England Journal of Education in 1876. Who are the amateur inventor and the amateur mathematician, both of whom died in office? Oh, I know. Mm. Lincoln and mm-hmm. McKinley. Finley. No. Oh, oh uh, Hayes. Yeah. Mm, closer. Very, very, very close. Oh, uh, Garfield. Garfield. Garfield is correct. Hayes was the vice president for Garfield. Is McKinley uh, even yeah. from Ohio? He is. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. At least yeah. I was that close. Yeah. I've been to his tomb. His tomb Wait, is in Canton, I, Ohio. Did you say Hayes? No, Arthur took over for Garfield. Is that what we said? Am I losing my mind? Yeah. Did you say Arthur, Arthur took no. over. Yeah. I, I said Hayes, yeah. but. Oh, sorry. 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 Arthur took over for Garfield. Yeah. Garfield was the correct answer. Apparently an amateur mathematician. I'm still waiting on that Chester A. Arthur movie, just for the record. It's been a while since I mentioned that. Um, <laughs> You're so. going to be waiting a while. I think there'll be a okay. Fillmore movie before there will be a Chester A. Arthur movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's going back to the uh, twelve question trivia, uh, one day special on Abraham Lincoln. Um, so just so you know, there were. So now that we're getting into the real meat and potatoes of it, um, a total of. One, two, three, four, four players answered all 12 questions correctly. There were a total of, sorry, I'm going through a couple different web pages here. Um, the total number of people who played the game, the, 12, the one day special. Four got all of them correct. 690 people played it. So 
it played a lot harder than I thought it was going to. I thought it was going to be, I didn't think it was going to be easy, but it played way harder than I intended it to, to play. So let's see. So don't feel bad out there in real splitter nation or Nick or Mary, if you missed these, cause uh, it is a pretty competitive and difficult trivia league and, and only four people got all 12. So uh, the person who won it um, got, got what would what was a perfect score. He put, put the monies on the ones that, that, um, the fewest people got correct. Um, so that was, that was pretty impressive on his part. Um, good work, Dr. Cornelius. It was not Dr. Cornelius. <laughs> it was somebody named, uh, well, where am I at? A Lincoln. Where'd you go? Um, route Y. Um, everyone's name in Learned League is their last name and their first initial. So, Route Y. Congratulations, you won the one day special. Obviously, you must be a rail splitter listener. So he may be. He wins a lot. Of, he or she wins a lot of them. Very, very good. Okay, so your first question, Rail Splitter Nation and Rail Splitter Mary and Nick. Here we go. Number one. Uh, many historians believe that suppressing his depression from several personal tragedies led Lincoln to throw himself into his work fighting for freedom. Among these tragedies were the deaths of his first son, Edward Baker, and then of which of his other sons, both his first and middle names are required. And just so you know, those of you listening at home in the question, because I'm cheeky, the word freedom, the F is capitalized with an exclamation point. So the first and middle name of the second Lincoln son to pass away. Why the hell do we need the middle name? That's dumb. This is why I'm not a llama. I want to say William Franklin. That's my guess. William Frederick. So it is not William Frederick. It is not William Franklin. William so Fred. I tried to get cheeky here. Uh, those of you who may have played this and, uh, and everybody else, I capitalized the F in freedom, which is weird because it's in the middle of a sentence. And I gave it an exclamation point, hoping that you would yell freedom to yourself. I, um, I just and, got it. And then, and then harken back to a certain film from 1995 with Mel Gibson in the lead painting himself blue. The correct answer, Mary, did you come up with it? Um, William Wallace. William Wallace Lincoln is the correct answer. Um, so there's a little kind of a little hint within the clue, freedom. Uh, uh, yeah, that, that came to me like right after. <laughs> right. William so that's, that's kind of some people do that when they're writing questions for these kind of trivia yeah, things. Okay. So there was a little hint and there's a couple others coming up where there are little hints like that. So um, one other little just piece of information um even though this is a very specific topic it's one person uh i tried to make the questions as interdisciplinary as possible um so there's a couple different i think you could classify them as genres of questions so they're not all just history questions um so that might might add a little bit of difficulty for rail splitters uh, but i tried to broaden it a little bit here's a good example of how i tried to bring in a category other than history for an Abraham Lincoln trivia question. So number two. Oh, and by the way, just so everybody knows, question one, William Wallace was the correct answer. The um, actually I might um, that wasn't actually question one. That was the first one I had submitted. That was question for those of you, if you're playing along, trying to um, 
follow with the, the way I submitted it. Um, that was actually question eight when I put it live. But anyway, so William Wallace was the correct answer. The most commonly submitted response was Robert Todd Lincoln, uh, which is a good guess, but incorrect. Uh, William Wallace was correctly answered by 9% of the players. 64 people got that correct out of 690. Uh, the third most common answer was William Todd uh, followed by Tad, followed by Abraham Todd, followed by Willie Todd. Um, so, uh, and then uh, actually, I take that back. Someone actually typed in William Wallace Lincoln. So, about ten point ten point three percent of the players got that correct. So let's go on. Uh, this was actually question one in the in the thing. So let's. Well, I'll just call it question one in case you're doing a little postmortem of the one day itself. But anyway, here's our, here's our next question. Although a famous teetotaler, the region of Kentucky believed to be his birthplace and his birth and his boyhood home, the, the farm at blank blank, which is part of a, which is part of Abraham, the Abraham Lincoln national birthplace national park share their name with what well-known bourbon brand. It's my favorite. Let me read that again. I, oh, nice. It's my favorite bourbon brand. It's Knob Creek. All right. Knob Creek is correct. So even though he's a famous teetotaler, there, there was a region. He's from the region of Kentucky known as Knob Creek. Knob Creek is the correct answer. Well done, Mary. Which Mary uh, will be day drinking on <laughs> Saturday of the Springfield trip. Uh, I did put a note <laughs> on this question. Uh, the Abraham Lincoln Birthplace National Park is in Bullitt County, and there is a Bullitt bourbon but that's obviously not what we're looking for knob creek was a correct answer 33 percent uh so one third of the people who took it got that question correct uh the second most common answer was jim beam followed by wild turkey followed by our good friend jack daniel oh jack daniels is not real bourbon it is not it's tennessee whiskey not from kentucky All right, the second question, I believe the second question was the most commonly correctly answered question. Not to put any pressure on you, but 43% of the players got it right. Abraham Lincoln's legendary clash with Jack Armstrong of the Clary's Grove Boys enhanced his reputation as a top competitor in which sport? He was elected to its National Hall of Fame in 1992 and resides there with other former presidents, Washington, Teddy Roosevelt and Taft, though this particular Hall of Fame has not included the White House's current occupant. What was the sport? Wrestling. Wrestling. Wrestling is correct. And it is important to note that the current occupant of the White House has been inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. The celebrity wing. The celebrity wing. Right. Abraham Lincoln has not been inducted into that one he is in the wrestling hall of fame uh so important distinction there because i think some people think oh the you know the only presidents are the current one in lincoln that's actually not true uh washington teddy roosevelt and taft are in the wrestling hall of fame with lincoln and then um number 45 is in the wwe hall of fame which means nothing to anybody because it's a celebrity wing apparently Yes, even as somebody who watches WWE, I don't consider that a real wing of the. Not to mention, like, there's so many. Like, never mind. We're going to go down a hole and a tangent. <laughs> so I'll leave it here. 
All right, so well done. You both got that correct, and I'm sure many of the listeners out there got it correct as well. So question three, even though it's the fourth question I'm asking because I asked question eight out of order. Because of his extraordinarily tall and thin physique, many subscribe to the theory that Abraham Lincoln had what syndrome? More recent research into the claim suggests he did not have it since he did not exhibit some of its other notable signs, including a weak heart due to enlarged aorta and poor vision. Marfans. Marfans. That is correct. So many people believe this was kind of my science question, uh, trying to do the interdisciplinary thing. So uh, many people believe Abraham Lincoln had Marfan's syndrome, but now it's looking like the trend in modern research is that he did not have Marfan syndrome. Tall and thin physique is certainly a characteristic of Marfan syndrome, but he did not have a weak heart, both literally, neither literally nor figuratively, um, or poor vision. Uh, because I think Marfan vision is like extra, you know, pretty, mm. pretty darn poor vision. So um, that that one was answered correctly by um, a lot. That was a by sixty eight percent. No, I'm sorry, not sixty eight percent got it incorrect. So that would have been thirty two percent of people got that correct. Thirty two percent got it correct. So. Um, the next question, number five, uh, this one was answered correctly at a pretty high rate for this quiz. A little bit over half of the people got this one correct. Um, number five, uh, where did I get? Oh, but except for on number four, sorry. Number four, even though it's the fifth question I'm asking, this one was not answered correctly by more than half. Uh, this one, um, let me back up a second. The question number one, which was uh, on, which was Knob Creek, that was correctly answered by 35% of the players. The wrestling question was answered correctly by 44% of the players. The um, Marfan's syndrome question was answered correctly uh, by 72% percent which is pretty that's pretty good actually um so that was the quote-unquote easiest one uh and then this question coming up now was answered correctly by 32 percent of the people who played although he played a small role in it the largest commercial case of lincoln's law career known as the great reaper trial involved a David and Goliath patent dispute between an, invent- an inventor from Rockford, Illinois, your Smith's hometown, and which company, Chicago's largest employer at the time? Oh, McCormick? Mm-hmm. Yeah, McCormick, I think. McCormick Harvester is correct. McCormick or McCormick Harvesting Machine Company. Uh, McCormick is correct. Of course, the secondly, second most popular answer submitted was John Deere, which was incorrect. Uh, but McCormick was the correct answer. Uh, again, that was answered correctly by 32%. This next question was answered correctly by 55% of the respondents. So question number five, the first, the first debate between Abraham Lincoln and Stephen A. Douglas for election to become senator in 1858 took place in what Central Illinois city that shares its name 
with a North American capital. Oh, come on. Ottawa. Ottawa. If we missed that one, we'd have to turn in our. Mary you know, definitely would have to turn inter, in our car. Inter, yeah, international podcasting yep. cards. I've been to that one. That's a nice location. It actually really is. And Mary, So, Mary, when you're coming down, when do you come over into Illinois? How far south are you? I'm not too sure how far south we're going to. i got to Google map that. And Yeah. Ottawa's actually f- probably farther north than, okay. you would, than you would go uh, because it's only about an hour or so south of Rockford. Um, but it's a pretty good, pretty good site. Um, but you may, you may be coming through. Yeah, I'm gonna see Charleston. on Friday because we're gonna like we're we're leaving Thursday night and we're gonna drive until I get tired, which is probably mm-hmm. about four or five hours, um, possibly a little bit more, and then we're gonna get up early Friday. So we should only be about five hours from Springfield by that point. Cool. So we might have time to stop somewhere. So I'll see if there's any kind of any of the debate sites maybe nearby that I can stop at. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's they're they're sometimes difficult to get to. So, okay, question number six was this one is the toughest by just a little bit. Ten percent of the people got this correct. There are two eleven percenters out there coming out. Just so you know, ten percent got this one correct, um, and there was. I don't think people were real thrilled about this question. What word, what word is missing from the following selection from a famous letter to Lincoln from 11-year-old Grace Bedell? All the ladies like blank, and they would tease their husbands to vote for you, and then you would be president. My father is going to vote for you, and if I was a man, I would vote for you too. Is it Whiskers. Whiskers. Whiskers is the correct answer. Yeah, people put beard, didn't they? People put beards. It was kind of yeah. they call that neg bait, where you're kind of negatively guiding people toward an answer. Uh, Four hundred thirty, sixty-two percent of the respondents uh, put beard or beards, uh, and the correct answer was whiskers. So I, I think you kind of have to be more familiar with nineteenth-century, you know, parlance, I guess, or you know, wording. I don't think they really called it beards. I think any facial hair was just called whiskers. Mm-hmm. Um, so the correct answer is whiskers. Um, so yeah, only 10% got that correct. So this next question, which was real quick, if you see me in Springfield and you go nice beard, I will not acknowledge you. (laughs) You have to call them there. His Nick's whiskers. That's right. Nice whiskers there. Nick. Yes. And please. And my, my husband has a beard too. So. Sorry. Whiskers. Whiskers. Whiskers, Yeah. yeah. He has, he has whiskers. That's what we're going to call them from now on in real splitter podcast. So, all right. So question, uh, this next one, which is the seventh question when, when I submitted it, uh, 27% of the people got this correct. Despite its production company's mission to make historically accurate films about America's past, the conspirator had many Lincolnophiles upset. Actor Kevin Klein's thin physique and closely cropped beard, should have said whiskers, made him look decidedly inaccurate in his portrayal of which member of Lincoln's cabinet who took a lead role in investigating and prosecuting the assassination? Stanton. Seward or Stanton? Stanton. The correct answer? Stanton. correct. the, The most commonly submitted answer was Seward. The correct answer was Stanton. 
What's the percentage Edwin you got that one? Stanton. Uh, 23. Actually, excuse me, 26 or 27. Um, the, the most common one was Seward. Uh, Chase was the third most common answer. Um, but yeah, Stanton or Edwin Stanton. I don't know uh, was, why I remembered that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but like I was, I remember watching that movie and I was like, what that, like, he is just such a distinctive looking figure and yeah. Kevin Klein yeah. who's a very talented actor. did look nothing like mm-hmm. him. Um, so anyway, the eighth question, uh, 11% of the people got right. And I've already asked it. That was the William Wallace question. So now we're back to where we need to be with question number nine. Uh, the ninth question, 23% of the responders, the llamas got this correct. Long before the days of large West wing staffs, Lincoln relied mostly on a staff of two secretaries. Which one's career path included working in a law office in Springfield, then on the Lincoln campaign in 1860, then the job in the White House before a shift to diplomacy that culminated in an influential seven-year stint as Secretary of State under McKinley and Theodore Roosevelt? John Hay. John Hay. John Hay. John Hay. John Hay is the correct answer. What I found very interesting, what do you think the second, like the most common wrong answer was? It Not wasn't it wasn't Nicolay. Nicolay. No. For us, Nicolay would be like the most like the logical, yes. most commonly missed guess. It was not. He's not even in the top top ten. Oh, I can't even think. Was it Robert Todd Lincoln? Nope. Douglas? Nope. So you ever well, see that think- post like poster that sometimes is in classrooms and stuff or that has the, the similarities between Abraham Lincoln and another president? Oh, Kennedy. Kennedy? Yep. Kennedy was the second most common answer because, you know, it was a Kennedy had a secretary named Lincoln and Lincoln had a secretary named Kennedy. Yeah. Which oh. I don't even, you know. Yeah. So a lot of people guessed Kennedy. So that would even, that's, wow. That's bizarre. Did that surprise right. you, I'm assuming, when you saw that? Uh, not really. Because, um, I mean, I get, I could just see a lot of the guesses. So the third most common one was Seward, uh, then yeah. Dulles. I, but these are like in the, you know, March, 10 people guess Marshall, 10 people yep. throw out a, yeah. the lucky Johnson is, you know, a term for when you just guess Johnson and hope it's right. 10 yeah. people tried the lucky Johnson. <laughs> um, so question number 10, 25% of the responders got it correct. Only 25% got this one right. Uh, contrary to many portrayals in person and on film, Abraham Lincoln reportedly had a weak and high pitched voice. Whose voice sounded like the real McCoy in his presentation of number 16 opposite Mary Tyler Moore in the 1988 miniseries Lincoln and as our hero in Ken Burns 1989 masterpiece The Civil War. I'm drawing a blank and I can picture him. This is going to bug me. I got oh no idea. My God, I know this. I just started watching Ken Burns Civil War again too. Daniel Day Lewis. Not totally not the right answer. That is not the right answer. No, ten people were, ten people guessed that. Oh Liam Neeson. God. <laughs> I can picture him. Mm-hmm. Dick Van Dyke. So when you picture him, who would who are you? He was like? on Law and Order. 
That's you're you're correct. He was on Law and Order. He's got a vi- actually. He's got quite a distinctive voice too. Um, Ice T. <laughs> yeah, that's SPU. Is it Common? No. <laughs> Um, is Common on Law and Orders now? No. No, I don't know. I haven't been but I see was. He sure Sam was. Sam Watterson. Sam Watterson is correct. I Sam think she Watterson. looked it up. Cheater. I, I, no, I, I did not. That. I'd joke it. Uh, so you'll, you'll notice I said whose voice sounded like the real McCoy. Uh, that was a little bit of a hint because on like, I don't know, a thousand episodes of Law and Order – Sam Watterson played Hank McCoy, D.A. Mm-hmm. Hank McCoy. That's his most famous role. So Sam Watterson is the correct answer. Um, the most common wrong answer on that one was Hal Holbrook uh, and then Daniel Day-Lewis. Uh, nine, Weirdly, nine people guessed Dick Van Dyke. Uh, <laughs> that Dude, whenever I hear Mar- uh, Mary Tyler Moore, I think Dick Van Dyke. Right yeah. Now. So yeah. that's probably why they put it. Oh yeah, I didn't even put that together. Well, yeah, that it was probably one of these. I don't know who this is, so I'm just gonna say Dick Van Dyke. Yeah, yeah, Dick Van Dyke and Mary Tyler Moore just in a miniseries in 1988, no less. Um, Whatever I hear a name, that's the first other name that pops in my head. Okay, now this next question: eleven uh, percent of the people got correct. We only have two more. Eleven percent of the people got correct. I really like this question, and I don't think like the play testers that I sent it to did not like it very much, and I didn't really care. Um, I did care. I pre- I really appreciated them taking the time to give me feedback that came out wrong, but like I just really liked it for some reason. Um, so uh, this one is, I think is a little bit more difficult, but um, let's see how you do with it. Many are familiar with Lincoln's murderer shouting the Virginia State motto after killing our hero and leaping to the Ford's Theater stage. But he said another sentence before fleeing to assemble with his co-conspirators. What were his next four words? I got this seems like I have no idea, but I bet Mary. The South shall rise again. Okay, that's a good answer. Except it's five. That's five. That's five words. We're looking for four words. um, and I will point out the word assemble is capitalized. I capitalized the A in assemble. So that's uh, always to tyrants. Nope. Lincoln is an ass. You guys are, yeah, you're getting a little bit farther away. So your first guess was the South will rise again. Yeah. Um, really? Lincoln which, is an ass uh, is getting further away. No shit. That's tw- getting further away. <laughs> tw- 25 people guessed the South will rise. 19 people guessed the South shall rise. Uh, 47 people guessed thus always to tyrants. Uh, so we all know that he said six Semper Tyrannus. Uh, the next four words, the South is avenged. Oh. The South is avenged. So I capitalized the A and assemble to kind of clue you into a very famous uh, saying, Avengers assemble. Very good. If you're a comic book kind of person, that was a good one. So he said, "Yeah, that's definitely a deep dig for even for Lincoln folks." So. No, I, I, agree I appreciate with the that. Test readers, the test readers, I agree with. Yeah, yeah I just kind of, I, I don't know. I, I kind of, I kind of, yeah. It's a, it's difficult for sure. I liked um, it. 
when I wrote the quiz, I was thinking that the some of the ones that played more difficulty than played more difficult than I thought they would. I thought they were going to play a little easier, so I intentionally put this one in to be a tough a tough one. Um, I didn't really realize that a couple others would have played as tough as they did. So um, anyway, so that was uh, if you really took time and kind of looked at it and thought of the assemble one, you maybe you would get to avenged or something like that. But who knows? No, I I, I think it's really creative. And to like my mind actually went to the Killing Lincoln uh, docudrama mm-hmm. because I remember there was one one guy they were interviewing in it. And I remember Booth standing on the stage saying, the South shall rise. Of course, I had to add on the again, which yeah, too, one too many words. But I remember his recollection of the assassination was Booth saying, the South shall rise. Mm-hmm. And that's where my mind went. I'm like, oh, that's going to yep. be it. The Just so, just yeah. for the sake of conversation, that I was playing with that question and then trying to write one around the um, ages versus angels kind of thing. Um, I thought a fun question would have been like something about Stanton saying something when he finally died and it's debated. Now he belongs to which two words or whatever. I thought that would have been kind of a fun one to say, you know, which two Mm -hmm. words do people debate about him saying now he belongs to the blank. Um, And now that I'm kind of saying that, that would have been kind of a fun question. Ages and angels. Um, but I felt like I was, I already had the Kevin Klein Stanton question and Stanton already and kind of Stanton was on the Reaper trial. So I didn't want to get too, too Stanton heavy on it. So you could never have too much Stanton. No, never have too much Stanton (laughs) trivia. So, all right. And there is one more question from the Lincoln one day special. Painted in 1976, Gala contemplating the Mediterranean Sea, which at 20 meters becomes the portrait of Abraham Lincoln, homage to Rothko's second version, is a lithograph by what artist? It is permanently on display in a museum in St. Petersburg, Florida, and depicts, well, exactly what the title describes. The only artist that keeps popping in my head, Van Gogh. Yeah, that's the only artist that keeps popping in my head too is Van Gogh. I don't know why that is. I don't you know, know why a, a Dutch painter would. Yeah. Although this is not an American painter, so um, I guess it, I'll give you that hint. Um, it is not Van Gogh. No, uh, last, last time I was at the Lincoln Museum, they had a print of this. And it's very cool. It's, it kind of looks like a mosaic kind of thing. Um, very like a lot of different square kind of patches. Um, and then when you walk away a little bit, um, it becomes a portrait of Abraham Lincoln, um, which I thought was, was very cool. Um, the person who referred me to, um, was my Lincoln or my, sorry, my learning league referrer, um, wrote me a message on learning league saying that her parents actually had a print of this in, in their, their house, which is cool. So, um, if you're up close, it is, um, it's a, a nude, uh, woman kind of from behind. Um, and she's kind of looking out, you know, as the title suggests over the Mediterranean sea, which you can't really tell that's what it is kind of looking at over a sunrise sunset kind of thing. Um, and then when you back away, it, it turns into Lincoln. Um, so it's kind of looks like, it looks like almost like a, Kind of, yeah. Yeah, it kind of looks like a pixelated 
Lincoln. Oh yeah. I forgot you guys are, I'll, I'll even show it to you. I forgot we were on a hangout cause I'm looking at other web pages. Um, but I don't know if you can see that. So that's the painting. I don't know if you can see the artist on there. Maybe not. No, I cannot see the artist's name. So yeah, it's like a big blob of white with his hair outline. I guess he is with. Yeah. But then at 20 meters, it looks like Lincoln. Um, so what's the time period? So, like when was it painted again? Like it was painted in nine. I said that in the question too, didn't I? It was painted in 1976. Okay. Dolly. Correct. Very good, Nick. That is correct. It is Salvador Dali. So as soon as that, you said the woman from behind again, that made me think of Dali. <laughs> yeah. So it's a, yeah. The nude woman. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, and I think part one of the big hooks on that question. There's a Dali Museum in St. Petersburg, Florida, um, which is for trivia geeks is kind of. I mean, they might pick up on that, um, and then also just kind of the idea that um, someone who would paint something that looked like one thing and then looks like another from a different angle is kind of like a Dali kind of thing. But I just thought it was really cool that Dali has a fairly well known painting of Abraham Lincoln, um, being that he was, um, not, not a Spaniard. Um, so, um, and yeah, it was, it was a lithograph, lithograph, uh, painted by Dali. So, um, yeah, so, uh, it, I may still be at the museum. The print of it may still be at the museum, uh, which would be worth checking out. So, um, and I was kind of, off on my timing. Uh, I thought that was pretty, it is actually fairly late for Dali. Um, he died in 1989. Oh, I, wow. I did not realize. Yeah. He, I did not realize he, he was around that late, but he was born in 1904. Um, so it was certainly one of his later, later works. Mm. Definitely. So, yeah. Very so anyway, good questions. Yeah. Those are really yeah, good. So- Oh, good. Hopefully you had fun with that. Yeah, like, that know, was like awesome. That. It's, uh, you know, a different kind of trivia. So, the, you know, it's kind of intended where you can kind of sit with the questions for a little bit and, you know, kind of think about them. And then sometimes there's those little clues inside. But um, so basically my goal with it was to try to come up with questions that weren't just Lincoln geek kind of stuff, mm-hmm. but also fun for Lincoln geeks. Um, so I played around with a couple different ideas. I didn't want to get into a lot of like minutiae of his life or in his presidency and, and those kinds of things. So um, I definitely would, you know, I wouldn't mind doing another one down the road a little bit. Um, there's all kinds of different, different directions you can go. Obviously mm-hmm. he's so fascinating and wrote so much. I didn't put anything in there about any of his speeches, um, really nothing about anything he wrote. Um, nothing about Mary Lincoln um, or Seward or Chase or, you know, there's just there's just such a lot, so so much there, and I and I definitely, I, I intentionally avoided the Civil War just because mm-hmm. there's so much trivia, Civil War trivia out there, and a lot of people have written a lot of quizzes and you know all that kind of stuff on Civil War specifically. So I, I avoided that on purpose. So anyway, I hope everybody had fun with that. I certainly had fun writing it. That was fun. Um, yeah. So that's the only one I've ever done, and you know, I you know I might kind of look at doing another one sometime, but. Uh, but yeah, that was that was definitely definitely fun. Thank you for that. That that was yep. awesome. That was great. Yep, my pleasure. And I think Mary got more right than me again. Damn you, Canadians! 
We have nothing yeah, better guys, to do. And then what, what else is an eight-year-old supposed to do in the middle of winter? Uh, Research Lincoln. Ice hockey. Actually, <laughs> I had a Nintendo at that time, so that's also what I was doing. There you go. There you go. Um, so anyway, thank you very much, Jeremy, for sharing those trivia questions with us that was a fun episode and i think maybe mm-hmm. like we need to do more episodes like that where we're doing we're asking each other trivia and maybe each of us takes a turn yeah to I, write I'm some down. trivia questions yeah. and yeah um i'm gonna do that maybe we'll take some trivia questions from our listeners at some point too um but anyway we i think are ready to move on to our final two segments of the show well, real quick there yeah. is one small little thing that i'm kind of looking forward to in springfield there and Nick, you may be kind of familiar with what I'm talking about. There's a part of the museum that's um, there's like a real kind of big painting of Gettysburg, and opposite that, there's just a wall of portraits, and it's all just Civil War figures, and you can kind of like look at it and try to guess who they are, and like do a touch screen to see. Like I would put Mary up against anybody in that <laughs> in that competition because I've always felt like I'm I'm pretty good at that just because like like image based trivia I do well at. I do better at that than like Me too. Than sound based or even just regular trivia. Like I'm pretty good at the picture stuff. Just that it's I guess that's just how my brain works or something. So I do pretty well. Um but it's kinda cool. Just I mean there's there's everybody from like McClellan to like obscure people. And there's even some up there that you could be like, that's not a well known person. That's just a that's just a whatever Soldier. volunteer probably. Yeah. yeah. Um so it's it's it'll be interesting to see if I'd, I'd like. I'm kind of excited to see how you how you respond to that. So anyway, looking forward sorry. to that. Mm-hmm. I did that. There was some something similar at Chad and, or at Chickamauga, and I was going around and naming off all the people. And Jer was like, "Is there anybody you don't know?" And I'm like, "Well, I remember faces very well, not necessarily names, but." faces that's yeah, why I, mean, that's why I struggled with the sam waterson one i saw his face in my mind and i'm like i know who this guy is yeah and he's one too like i do better at like you know he's one of the audio ones where as soon as you hear his voice you're like that's oh, yeah. the law that's and order him. guy yeah yeah exactly yep. oh i'm very much looking forward to going to the museum for sure it's awesome yeah so our final two segments so of the people by the people do you two have one that you would like to start with for us tonight yeah, I got one. Okay. Go ahead, Nick. Uh, I got I'm going to... I've been continuing since we've gotten to our 50 threshold of reviews. Um, we actually have 53. Um, I'm going to read two reviews. First one is from Jim Slatery. Um, mm-hmm. And so glad that Kathleen turned me on to this podcast. Really enjoy the easy-to-understand conversations that don't make me feel like I'm taking a class. While I don't feel the need to rehash the sound problems or early episodes, I will say I've wondered if Jer A has the ability to remaster those episodes. I listen with headphones and just can't listen to anything before the problems were fixed. My one criticism truly on content is that quite often one of the hosts will reference something, say something like, I think it was in the book, but I don't remember, or one of the recent Gettysburg episodes, I think it was Nick, it was, tried to recall the name of, the, of an author and said something to the effect, it doesn't matter, matter. I beg to differ. Uh, because it's very clear to me that the rail splitters know what they are talking about. I give this five stars and say I'm willing to let these these slide, but I wish, given a clear preparation you for the episodes, you could do less wondering, thinking, and rely on more certainties. 
One of my favorite episodes was number 88 on Hooker. Learned so much and found the information truly fascinating. Keep up the good work. Wish I could make the Springfield over Labor Day, but will be celebrating my husband and my 10th anniversary. First of all, happy all right. anniversary. It's happy that anniversary. Is le- that is a legit excuse to miss, so you're okay this time. Um, and I am definitely the biggest culprit of um, probably polishing over authors. And, yeah, because I'm always worried I'm going to butcher their name. Not a good excuse. So I'm going to consciously make a better effort of doing that. Um and we will definitely take that consideration. Yeah, me too. So mm-hmm. that's really that's really good feedback. Yeah, that is excellent uh, feedback. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah, and I definitely tend to do that a lot, and I know it does matter. It's usually me trying to avoid um a mispronouncement. Oh, Nick, I do the same thing because, or I mm-hmm. will, I will know what it is the author wrote, but I can't. Again, it goes back to like I remember the face, but not the name, and mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my god, am I going to get that person's name wrong? I don't want them to be not credited for what they've written. Right. Or the old, I mean, I do it all the time. Like I read this somewhere and yeah. I can't remember I where I read, I read it. it somewhere and I enjoyed it and I can't remember where it was from, yeah. but um, generally with more specific episodes, I think we can do a better job of knowing where, where that stuff yeah. came from. That's excellent feedback. I, and I think sometimes we doubt ourselves when we have it written down and know it. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah. So Jim, thank you so much. That was great. Um, and the other one I'm going to read from July 20th, uh, eighth grade history teacher. Keep on rocking. I don't know if you're in school yet, but if you are, hopefully it's off to a good start. If you're not, good luck with the school year. Uh, another five star. If you're into Lincoln or the Civil War, this is a great podcast to listen to. It is very informative, and the hosts do a great job of presenting. This is from Big Teach 58. So That's good. That's good. Um, we appreciate that. Next episode, I got two more, including our two-star review. So keep you on the edge of your seat. Oh, my God. Oh, you have to read that this episode. Why are you waiting? You're going to read that in episode 99? You want me to read it now? Just read it now and get over with. All right. Archtop Bill. Two-star review. I enjoy listening to the conversations about the American Civil War. These conversations, however, lack focus. Agreed. Sometimes yep. evolve to <laughs> ramblings. Definitely. The rambly sometimes stray from the Civil War. They sure do. The crude language detracts from the content, prevents one from listening with children in the car. Uh, I'm very tempted to swear, but yes, <laughs> that does happen. Disappointing. That does happen. Like it, like there's not a specific rail splitter that, that yeah. is the basically main culprit there. Disappointing as neither Lincoln nor Grant spoke this way. I like to beg to differ on Lincoln. So Lincoln was known to be very dirty. And this actually came up uh, with the reenactors. Mm-hmm. You remember this? In yeah. Freeport mm-hmm. Boys? So oh, this yeah. Was, yes. They were really grilling the guy. I forget the gentleman. Oh, see, now I'm doing the other review. Uh, you remember I the guy's you. name? I got, I'll get it for you. Okay. So, Jim, see, we're already trying to correct the wrong here. Uh, there's another paragraph to this, though. Do not want to come off as sounding like a jerk, but the presenters asked for reviews, and I hope this is taken as constructive criticism. Yeah. First of all, you're not a jerk at all. Totally understand. Nope. Yep. We are guilty as charged for the majority of those things. Yep. Um, I'm definitely the one who swears too often, so I apologize. Um, but the only thing, Lincoln was known to be quite crude um, with his jokes and his yep. language. So um, probably not using the profanities like we do. It was a different era at that time. Yep. 
Um, did you happen to come across that name yet, boys? I'm working on it. I mean, and, and it's pretty well known that um, Lincoln used one word that we've never used on this show and never will. Um, that is a topic of conversation. Starts with the letter N. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, of course, he he spoke. He did yeah. speak freely. I'm not defending. Like I don't swear because Lincoln swore. I swear a lot. I don't. I don't try not to swear on the show. Um, I, I know there. It was pointed. At one of my friends messaged me one time. They were listening to the Shiloh episode. They're like, "Oh, you almost let an f bomb slip there." And I, I know the part they're talking about in that episode too. <laughs> I like like you boys. I swear a lot, but I try to mm-hmm. not so not as much on the show. But I find myself sometimes slipping a little sure. bit in that. I lack I lack a filter. So, yeah. um, Archtop Bill, I will take the blame for a lot of this. We appreciate your feedback, though. So we like to hear it all. Thank you for doing it, um, and Jim. Um, yeah, we're working on that. No, name, I think so. that's I think that's very fair. Everything mm-hmm. he said um, was um, very fair criticism, and I think that it's it's mm-hmm. definitely constructive. So I appreciate it for sure. And that is all I got for that. So the, the person you were talking about at the museum is the um, works with the collection. You know, the, he's like the appraiser that like kind of takes in all the donations and everything. Um, and I'm trying to find his name and it's driving me nuts because he's like super nice guy. Did a great job at that presentation. And it was. And he had to fill a, in for Cornelius because it was during. Yeah a lot of that yes. period, that gray area with yep. the hat and when he was on leave and he really did do a nice job mm-hmm. um, filling in for, and he handled these questions because they kind of came after him pretty hard too. And the gentleman right. did a very nice job being professional. I felt and answering in a historically accurate way. So he just didn't give and go, yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, he stood his ground. Um, all of it was done very professionally mm-hmm. and, I keep trying to buy you time, but um, <laughs> I'll look it up too as the others are sharing here. Yeah, we we are like way over what we usually are for episodes, but oh, I think sorry, that's, that's okay. my fault. No, yeah. no worries. What what was the thing that was just noted to the museum that we were talking about um, that that person found in their house? Oh, the um, it was the 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 pin that um, or the campaign button that was turned into yeah. like the pin, right? Because he was on that newspaper story, I think that'll yep, get he was. To where I need to be. Um. So yeah. So anyway, that yeah, because that was just he. He had kind of a, he was the person who like accepts the the donations and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, did you have one, Mary? I do. Um. Just first of all, Nick, I actually had one of my followers DM me a few weeks ago and said that please tell Nick he does not cuss too much. What in the actual f? Oh. <laughs> Like it. Uh, said he enjoys the show very much and we do a great job. All right. So that's some more feedback for us too. Um, mm-hmm. So my of the people by the people goes out to uh, Dr. David Kent tonight. Oh, and, yes. Uh, he was a guest on the, our show. Um, he wrote the book, Abraham Lincoln, the man who saved America. And that's why he came on the show was to talk to us about that. Um, that was our first book in the Real Splitter book club. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a very interesting blog where he writes about not just Abraham Lincoln, but about other historical stuff about his travels. And he's always posting those posts in the, um, on our real splitter page. And I just want to th- take the time right now to thank him for doing that because the posts are always so interesting and informative. 
Um, so his blog can be found at www.davidjkent-writer.com. And uh, actually, it's funny. So uh, his most recent article was about his visit to the McCormick farm. <laughs> oh, really? Yes. Um, and that's not why I picked it for tonight. I had picked this out hours before the show. Um, and it's funny. So that was actually the um, when our last episode, I had talked about drunk the episode of Drunk History, which is about the Reaper trial. That's what mm-hmm. that connects to. As well, um, he also has a post about the Abraham Lincoln chair at the Henry Ford Museum in Dearborn, Michigan. Um, But I just wanted to give him a shout out because he's always so good about posting on our page. And his most recent article about the um, his visit to the McCormick farm is quite interesting. So I would encourage all of our listeners to go to our Real Splitter page and read that article and check out his blog. It's Mm -hmm. really, really good. Yes, I agree. Um... Yeah, definitely worth checking out. So I think I found the person we're looking for. Ian Hunt. Ian Hunt is the correct answer yeah, to the I most just, difficult trivia question. Ian Hunt. The, I just found it too. So Yeah, uh, and he was a super nice guy. And it was an interesting conversation because he was talking about the historic record of Lincoln's communication. And like there was a Lincoln presenter saying, He's the one that decided to put in God we trust on the money. That's all that that's all I need to know. And and Dr. Hahn was like, well, you know, actually, there's quite a lot of writing that, you know, that shows that, you know, that, that any, you know, have a really cogent argument to support it. He's like, all I care about is in God we trust. Like, <laughs> and you can just see him just being like, I'm a historian. And it's kind of like if, you know, like if a, if a medical doctor was around and somebody's talking about like, oh, you know, oh, my grandma told me to take this. And he's like, well, actually, the science would say, oh, no, I got the, you know. Mm-hmm. And he's like the historian equivalent of that being like, well, the historic record is really definitive on this. Like, nope, I got all I need. Yep. So uh, it was kind of an interesting dilemma that uh, and, and, and Nick and I were just kind of like watching the show. Um, love to watch something like that. So, so real quick, and I know we're over time and I apologize. No, I, it's okay. I, I thought, I thought because we had 12 questions, I'm like, Oh, there's only 12 questions. This won't take long at all. Um, my real quick of the people by the people, another writer who has been on the show in the early days, uh, Dr. Ibram X. Kendi, who wrote stamped from the beginning and definitive history of racism, uh, on that show, on that episode way back a couple years ago or more, he said that he was working on a new book called how to be anti-racist. That book came out this week. Uh, so he kind of teased it on our show, which was really cool. Um, his first book is fascinating. Excellent work. We talked to him about it on an early episode. Uh, and he has now published How to Be an Anti-Racist. It's a much, it appears to be, and I, it's definitely my the next book on my queue. Uh, it appears to be a much different read than Stand from the Beginning because I think it's um, a little shorter and a little bit more of a, uh, Stand from the Beginning was very much a history book. Uh, this, I think, is a little bit more um, kind of for contemporary type stuff. So, uh, Dr. Kendi, I'm very, very excited to read the new book. Um, he's a very, very brilliant person. So, that's what I got. Yeah, I agree with that, too. The His first book, well, I don't know if it's his first book, but uh, that book was Dude, we're, so, we're so We're so like, worried about being accurate now. Like, oh, my God, is it right? We took one constructive criticism, addressed it. But by making the other constructive criticism of our ramblings going off tangents, uh, making that problem worse. Well, I I think we Uh, have to like remember that one of the one of the things that has been said about us in the reviews 
is how relaxed it is. And some people do like those tangents that we, we go off on. So I think it's just about finding that balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And we yeah, know we're not for everybody. Point. Yeah. Right. And one of the nicest comments, because it hit what we're shooting for, what we're going for, uh, was the re- when the review today said, I don't feel like I'm in class. Like, you know, I think just knowing how Nick teaches and how I taught, like, that's kind of what we were going for when we were work, you know, when we teach anyway. Uh, but certainly way more in this podcast, like this is not meant to be a lecture or a class. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's meant to be much, much later than that. So I thought that was uh, reaffirming for yeah. me anyway. Agreed. And so for, do we have anything for this week in Lincoln? Us just used a hair sculpture. That's I mean, exactly yes. what I was thinking. That yes. hair sculpture. Yes. That's exactly Brilliant. what I was thinking. Brilliant. So our this week in Lincoln is that creepy hair. Well, I don't know if I want to call it creepy. The hair sculpture with Lincoln's yes. hair on it as the eagle's head. His cabinet members, Mary Lincoln's on there. The wives of the cabinet member, their hair is on there. That is our this week in Lincoln because it is definitely what um, Dr. Stacy who is a guest on her show. She wrote mm-hmm. a book about Mary Lincoln. She would definitely call that a hashtag Lincoln loony. Yes. Sure. Yes, she would. And rightfully so. Yep. So shout out to her as well. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, any parting thoughts, guys? No, we're looking forward to that. I'm super looking forward to the hundredth episode. Episode 99 will kind of be a, a lead into that as well, which is uh, going to be exciting too. So, uh, hopefully we'll see some of you in Springfield over Labor Day, and it's going to be really fun. Yep. See you for the 100th Rail Split Nash. Peace out. <laughs> yep. So I think that's all for tonight. So keep walking the world with malice toward none and with charity for all, and we will see you again very soon.